Okay, great. We'll start the interview. <laughs> so okay. as all the viewers oh are on here, <laughs> all the viewers are here. Um, thank you guys for joining us today. We're doing a live interview with Sandra, who is uh, Nancy Benoit's sister. And I love her dearly. And she took the time out from her busy schedule to be on my show. And we wanted to share it with all of you. So thank y'all for being here. So yes. Sandra, tell us a little bit about you. What do you do? Uh, where do you live? And because you have a cool job, and I think your job is pretty interesting. So tell us about it. Oh, okay. Um, so I live in, in the central East Central Florida area on the beach, um, the world's most famous beach, and um, in that area, I'll, I don't want people showing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bing. Um, and. Uh, I'm trying to live stream on TikTok just so everyone says hi. Oh. <laughs> How funny. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, so I am a producer. I produced on television and film. Uh, the only films that I've done so far have been documentaries. And interestingly enough, they've been about uh, serial killers. Nice. <laughs> so I got kind of pigeonholed for a little while. I worked for um, a huge conglomerate streaming service for a really long time and and left um with a better offer to a smaller niche cable company so um but they're not exactly smart small niche they kind of own the market <laughs> oh, okay. so starts, starts starts with an h and ends with an o and it's not TV. <laughs> um okay so today we're going to talk about a lot of things here and, and a lot of things that we share together, which is the love of Nancy Benoit and Daniel, which is their son. And of course she was married to Chris Benoit. Um, we both share a lot of emotions of grief because we both went through the, you know, I lost Eddie in 2005 and then we lost Nancy and Daniel. How has, tell us about your journey of, you know, where, where, at that time that Nancy passed away until now, like what, what are your emotions? Um, how is it that you're celebrating Nancy these days? Because I, I I'll share mine too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, in 2007, it was a very, uh, just like with the rest of the world, it's a very, very big shock. Um, and I, you and I have discussed, you know, it's a, a one moment thing. and. Um, and then your whole life is just, it's not even that it's changed, it's kind of gone. You, you don't even know how to respond. I'd be, the day that I found out I had to be hospitalized that night because I um, I had to be uh, sedated. <laughs> and everywhere we went, yeah, <laughs> everywhere we went, even in the hospital, they it was everywhere on the TVs and um, my long-suffering, 35-year long-suffering best friend, Jamie, uh, happened was with me we lived in the same subdivision so we were kind of everything was kind of in that really good spot that it's almost like just what she was gonna jump i couldn't imagine it would be two wrestling boots that dropped on my head but you know if you're like when is the other shoe gonna drop and then it did um but it was very very difficult i had a really hard time um for the first I think three or four years afterward, and what no one ever tells you to is the shock. 
um, like you don't just have a shock of it. You can you can stay in shock for years, years, and I, uh, that's what happened to me. Basically, I I kind of threw myself into working and stuff. Those those next four years, I I bought designed a menu for and opened a restaurant, a bar and grill. Really. <laughs> <laughs> did. Um, at the exact moment that the economy collapsed back. <laughs> so I opened this place and like three months later, there wasn't, I, I couldn't, I could swing a cat and not hit a customer. So um, it, that was like an extra blow because I was so, it kept me so busy. The restaurant business keeps you so engaged and so busy um, that it's very, very hard kind of it, it's really hard to focus on anything else and i didn't want to focus on it i didn't want to think about it focus on it so um but with the collapse ended up losing the restaurant and that's when i decided um i had a couple of people of friends in in the industry and film and television as you know um so i just kind of started saying hey um you know, this is really poorly written. I can write something better than that. So I kind of started writing jokes here and there, um, what they call punch-ups for shows. <laughs> and I did punch-ups for shows and then they're like, man, she's bossy, but she's organized. I'm like, oh, she's a producer. <laughs> like, I kind of, like, I don't know where it sort of, sort of came about that way. So I focused on that too. And it, but then somewhere in the middle of, of it, I had the, a complete breakdown. I'd been, I, I have a chronic illness, so I was taking medication, just like my sister and Chris were. Uh, not like that, but the same kind. Mm -hmm. I was taking back then, and, um, and then started taking more, started taking more. And of course, my doctor noticed. I was like, all right, you know. But having, I had legit illness, so she was like, okay, but watched me and watched me. And finally, I was like, you know what? We're just not going to do this anymore. And that was hard. <laughs> really, really hard. <laughs> so I just had to stop taking it. And I just did. And you know, um, instead, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, instead of that bottle that I couldn't have anymore, I decided to start drinking more, which was perfect because it was exactly sort of one of the major things that i blame what happened happening on and so one day and it wasn't very long ago it's only i've only been sober a little over a year um it wasn't even that i i, I stopped or wanted to stop i got sick and um and have a brain disorder so i had to i had to stop drinking um and that and then that's when the grief and the guilt came when you stop masking it exactly stop putting a cover on it all of a sudden i'm like oh my god i'm never gonna see her again oh my god i'm never gonna hear her voice and like it, it hit me like in in the um the survivor's guilt is yeah paralyzing sometimes you know As, yeah. i don't have to say you know <laughs> yeah let's talk about um the person that Nancy was because she was just full of spunk and fire. And, you know, the fans got to see her in the ring, which she, she was one of my mentors. I mean, 
when I knew her, I wasn't even on, I wasn't even working as a, as a manager or even in WWE. I was just a friend of hers. So to go to the show and see her working along with, you know, Chris and Eddie was just like, I was enthralled with her beauty, her um, creativity, her, how bitchy she was. I mean, I was just like, man, she's so sweet backstage. And then you get her in front of these cameras and like, she turns into another person. And when I became my manager, I was like, oh, I want to be just like Nancy. And she was very inspiring to me. (laughs) Now, you know, she was full of love. I mean, she just had a lot of love in her and she loved to dance a lot. I mean, when we were together, she wanted music on and everyone was to dance in the room like spontaneously. What are your what are your fun memories about Nancy? I mean, I have so many, but yeah, we always there's always music on. I mean, if we weren't live with all of your followers and just trying to stream on on TikTok, I would have music on. I usually do on my lives because I just yeah. it's always there. And and a chair dance and every once in a while i'll catch myself doing the finger pop and the snaps <laughs> like her you know and i'm like okay <laughs> one of us had six years of dance classes and one of us had 17 so i'm like but i get out there with her you know and i'm like yeah you know i can follow this weird beat of what i think you're doing you know mm, let's get it and yeah. um we used to go after uh, after wrestling, after um, when it used to tape at Wide World, um, at Pleasure Island, we used to go to Pleasure Island. And remember back in the day, back in the day, but when Pleasure <laughs> Island first opened, they had, it was, the idea of it was Pleasure Island from Peter, uh, Peter Pan? No, yeah, Peter Pan, where every, there was something for everybody. Yes. So they had a 70s club called Eight Tracks. Yeah, and we used to go to the eight tracks, and we Nance would wear um like a crushed velvet cat suit, and that's it. <laughs> Just a straight up cat suit with six inch heels, and then call me. I happened to work at Downtown Disney at the time bartending, so would call me and be like, "What time are you off?" And like I'm legit walking out the door. I and my uniform was khaki shorts and Timberlands. <laughs> and like a polo shirt so here comes little sis walking into eight tracks you know to check on the squad and in timberlands and khaki and there was no flat front khaki back then they were the pleats so you had the big ball it was just and i'm like thank god i was thinner so we used to wear like white crop tops under our polos so i got to take my polo off because i didn't want to rep my bar I walk in there, Swordfish is trash. Arn Anderson, it, double A is trash. We call him Swordfish. Hammer. Chris was dancing. Hey, Chris danced a lot. If you guys don't know, Chris Benoit used to dance. Anything Nancy wanted, Chris would do. I mean, if she was dancing, he was dancing with her. Terribly, but dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. I've got the whole movie. He does, he's the, he's the sidestepper or was. He was, he was a side stepper. And sometimes, if you really liked it, the hands would go up more and a little <laughs> lean back. But usually it was just hands down, side to side. I've never seen David dance, but I can imagine that's what <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, right? Yeah. You know, that, that was my other favorite time to go to the shows because I knew that we were going to go to Pleasure Island afterwards and dance. So that was like a, a fun <sighs> night out for me because 
get to see the guys, you know, perform, and then we'd we'd go, you know, drink and dance afterwards. Um, yep. I'm writing my autobiography right now, and I have a whole chapter about Nancy because she was such a good friend of mine. I mean, she was the one who really I could I could kind of bounce off of her because. If, if any of the viewers know, and you would know, Sandra, that the wrestling life is chaotic. I mean, it's not only with emotions. Um, Eddie would be on the road for two weeks, and then he'd be home for three days. One day, the first day was sleeping. The second day was to spend time with us. And third day, we were packing and taking him to the airport. And so it was a lot of, it was a lot of you know, I got, we had to share the guys and, and Nancy with the world because we got a minimal time with them. And so, you know, there was a lot of uh, emotions that would go on. And so that was something that Nancy helped me with was that, you know, I could call her and say, you know, gosh, I'm really missing Eddie. Um, I, I don't know if I can do this. I had two kids, you know, they were at home, they, whether they be sick or be busy with yeah. events. You know, we I carried everything while Eddie was touring. And so Nancy was just like the rock hard friend that was just like, you can do this, you know, take a deep breath, you know, call me if you're having a bad day. I mean, she had her shit together. She really did. And she made it seem so easy to be part of the wrestling world as a wife. And, you know, she was a superstar. But when she married Chris, it was just it just kind of was my my support system to, like, look at her and say, OK, I can do this because Nancy's doing it. So this is going to make it all right. Mm -hmm. um, what was your experience, you know, sharing Nancy, you know, as when she was performing and then when she got married to Chris? I mean, how was that life with you? you know, with you and Nancy? Um, sharing her was hard when I was younger. When I was little, I really, I resented it and, and resented wrestling pants a lot. Um, but I was, I was a child. I was, I was very little. I mean, she's been in, she was in the business 25 years and we're 10 years apart. So she was, you know, in the ring, she was at Eddie Graham Sports Stadium passing out um, programs at, 17 and so i was seven <laughs> when that was happening so and wow. it's funny when i talk about people um like you know I'll talk about uncle rick or i'll talk about um that i uh, sir oliver humperdinck is was one is one of the people that raised me and he legit raised me like i was at his condo or out with out for wherever he would take me to eat you know he'd have a little refreshment and then want to go eat so he would take me out to eat and then always take me for ice cream and we would get these big fat pig sundaes just like and sit there and it was my favorite place to go because i was like you know 160 pound eighth grader <laughs> i'm like hell yeah let's go to home but um it's stuff like that or or um i was in the condo the speaking of dark sides um luna episode is airing and I saw Luna that. On, yeah. And Luna, um, I was very close with Luna when I was younger. She's such, you know, she didn't sound, you know, that, that Luna thing, it, that wasn't her. She had like the softest, sweetest voice, um, which I guess maybe now in hindsight might have been schizophrenia, but um, <laughs> she, uh, I think of it, uh, my sister's idea for her to be called Luna. So Luna, yeah, Luna owes Nance, Luna, um, and it was Nancy's idea to shave Luna's head. Well, it worked for and her. Man, she's, she's, 
you know, the, the director of um, Dark Side said it best. She's the most metal female wrestler that's ever been. Ever been. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put, I'd put her in the ring with anyone from any time period and she'd, she'd crush it. She'd be awesome. She'd get the, she'd get the big pop. Maybe not Leah Maivia. I Let's scratch that. Just one person. <laughs> You know, I remember seeing Luna, you know, her and Gangrel used to come to our house all the time. And I would think of Luna, you know, I would see her walk out of the car. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's going to kill me. Like, she's monstrous. And, you know, her look is very rough, you know, with all the tattoos very. and everything. But you walk in and she would get down to my girl's level and talk to them. And she was like the sweetest woman. I'm like, oh, she's so sweet. Like, you know, I see her on TV and I'm just like, who are you? Like, where does this come from? <laughs> Yeah. And that's when you have, you know, childhood experiences like that, like, you know, holding the camera steady while your sister shaves someone's head for, <laughs> Florida, for you know, I think what was it, Florida Championship? I don't even know what, I think it was Florida Championship. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of a surreal childhood, but I was a weirdo anyways. I, I used to carry around um, a giant, the annotated Tales of Edgar Allan Poe. A great big one. I used to carry it with me everywhere. And then Kevin Sullivan used to, you know, tell stories how I read Brett Easton Ellis and stuff. And I read American Psycho one summer by the pool. And he's like, there's, you know, there's something wrong with the sister. Like, and she's like, no, maybe she's just trying to understand you. <laughs> she yeah. always had a, yeah. So, but those growing up, like that's, those are my experiences. And, but then I grew to really care about the people in, in wrestling, you know, because then you realize it's, it's not a business. Well, the people in it are, it's definitely a business, um, but the people in it are family and family. that's important. And so um, we have awesome parents. We're very, very lucky to have the most wonderful, badass, fucking, insanely hardcore parents on earth and um so it you know had a normal normal childhood normal catholic upbringing there's nothing like you know no trauma and drama we had cousins that were kind of like extra brothers and sisters she was best friends with my cousin cheryl because they were kind of the same age and um cheryl's sister Kristen and i were only two years apart so our cousins were more like brothers and sisters and and then she would go off and she'd be gone and then she would come home when she needed like something major like she didn't have a driver's license for a really long time so she had to come home and get her driver's license and i was already learning like to get my learner's permit learning <laughs> at a very young age but um but our grandmother taught her how to drive in an old wow. um an old Sierra. yeah <laughs> so she would have to come home for little stuff like that or um she got um terrible impacted wisdom teeth and just showed up at home one day and no one's home i'm gen x so i'm a latchkey kid the forgotten gen i was like eating of course i was like eating mint chocolate chip ice cream because it wasn't allowed but nobody was home so what the, what the f so i'm like she walks in the door she's like oh that looks good i'm like what on earth? I'm like, your face looks sadder than mine. I was so happy. 
So, but then Sandra, she, she recovered. So it was wonderful. Like it's great to have, it was great to have her home when I was little. Those, those are the I best bet. parts. I bet. Um, I think we share something with the behavior of Eddie and Chris because we know that back then, you know, to to not lose their spot on the on the wrestling card, the guys worked through their injuries, and everyone knows that Eddie um, was an addict and an alcoholic. And so he would mask those injuries, you know, to just keep going, you know, and touring and, you know, and, and Chris had, you know, and Eddie used roids. I mean, that's why he died because of an enlarged heart. And so Chris and Eddie were very close and they kind of shared the same uh, demons, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was pretty upset when Eddie passed away because he was four years sober and and clean and and to know that he finally got his life together and then you know he was taken away after all that work that he did it's it was such a a struggle for me to accept that this could be possible because we all want everyone i mean you see someone working at it and, and getting clean and sober and you know they finally get their you know their their crap together you think okay this is good you know and we renewed our vows four years before he passed away but you're not thinking that you're okay. thinking you know, we have, you know, we renewed our vows. Uh, we never got divorced, but we kept fighting each other for divorce. And then, you know, we moved and, and then, you know, he's taken away. Um, and you find out later on, it's because of all the stuff that Eddie did that just added to the complications of his heart. And, you know, that's how he passed away. Um, tell us how, how it was with Chris, you know, because you, you had the, the facts about, you know, what was going on with Chris and, and after Eddie passed, um, you know, I saw a change in Chris, you know, at work because he became more quieter. Um, it, it's just, there's so many emotions in this when I'm talking to you because um, Eddie and Chris were like brothers. I mean, if, if Chris was there, you see Eddie. And if Eddie was somewhere, I knew that Nancy could call me and say, hey, is, have you talked to Eddie? Yeah, Chris is there. And then I'd give, I'd call Eddie's phone and, you know, Nancy, you know, would talk to, you know, Chris. I mean, it was like, they were always together. Um, tell us how, what are the facts that, you know, of why, you know, what was believed that, you know, Chris had done the things he did, you know, to Nancy and Daniel and to himself, because Eddie's complications were the same as Chris's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's, that's, it's, it's true. Um, and it's always, it's always been a little bit difficult for me to talk about it. It was for a long time. And then I finally was just like, you know what, screw it, because it's not, it's not a government secret it's certainly not in the industry and it's definitely not a secret because the doctor that was over prescribing both my brother and my my brother-in-law my sister um dr phil aston you know we basically testified in when they raided his office it was it was because of us going to the police and saying right. we we believed that it was some kind of drug-induced psychosis could with alcohol obviously um so we're like something has to be done and sure enough they did so he went to federal prison but um so that was one thing <clears throat> when someone dies a lot of the and i know a lot of this from work sadly i know an awful lot about death and the way that people die um but but it's true when you when you die your the, your chemical the chemicals change in your body so what you your alcohol your bac or whatever when you died it's not going to be the same the bodies weren't found until monday so even though he died last and his BAC was higher or high, mm -hmm. it um, Nance was Nance's was high too because it starts to ferment. They said that she 
had gelatin in her system, but I've known my, but a, a you know, a, a, like a normal level for someone in some kind of pain. But my sister has never taken gelatin a day in her life ever. So I found out from the corner that um, Vicodin, any kind of, of nar- narcotic like that, like a, a scheduled through pain medication, an opiate, can turn into and look like something else, look like dilaudid, look like something stronger in the system after a certain amount of time. It breaks down, whatever. A lot of science to that. But with Eddie, with Chris, you know, <laughs> I'm going to start crying because it is the, it is the, it is the tale of the wrestler, isn't it? It is the yeah. tale of, I took too many bumps. So I'm going to take a few of these and then we're all going to go out to dinner. And we're going to have a few of these, but then we're having so much fun. We're going to have a few more, but my back is killing me. So I'm going to take a few of these and then I got to get up and I got to get to the gym. So I'm going to, I got a bee sting because I need to push because I don't want to, I need to be on the Monday night show, not the Thursday night show. I need the Monday night show. I need to be bigger. So I'm going to be yeah. sing again. So, and then it becomes, and then your body actually, has to have it with testosterone your body has to have it to survive he had been taking so much for so long that to be a normal be at a normal level his normal hormone level he had to take exorbitant amounts what would you know just paralyze another another brain and i'm sure that that's i know that that's how you know with eddie went through the same that same idea and that same pressure and it's that pressure from outside and from within, right? So it's not just mm-hmm. it's not just the, the business and the company and the push. It's I have to be better because I, I need to be the best because I this is the only thing I've ever done. This is all anyone knows me for. Who am yeah. I if I'm not Crispin Long? Yeah, absolutely. And you and, know, I, I yeah, the guys had a lot of pressure. You know, back in the day when they were. You know, they were both featured at WrestleMania and, you know, the position they were in, they they loved their job so much and they had passion for it. So to the idea to even like miss like a night because of injury, because, you know, once you say you're injured, well, then it's like two, three, four months off. And it was unacceptable, especially to Chris and Eddie, you know, to even mm-hmm. have that time off. But, you know, aside from Chris and aside from Chris's, you know, use, Chris was a sweetheart. I mean, he was a gentle giant and you've been putting videos on your TikTok and on your Instagram <laughs> that the, the Chris that we saw with Daniel and Nancy, that's who they were at home. I mean, even if they came to our house, I mean, we all, you know, crowded around Daniel, we sang songs with him, everyone, you know, catered to him and the guys were just like gentle giants. And, you know, Nancy and I were like, blah, 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 you know, just talking to the store, but the guys just roll their eyes and be like, okay, we're going to go to the other room and, and watch TV, yep. you know. But <laughs> as sad as it was for Chris to do what he had done, it's really sad because we we didn't know what he was thinking inside his mind because, you know, he was, he was going through his own, you know, um, his own mental you know, illness himself. Um, Chris was was really a gentle giant have have you forgiven chris on yourself because with me it's hard for me to forgive eddie because of all the partying and all the the stuff that he did you know it was really hard to like now that he's not here i'm thinking you know 
I'm kind of pissed, you know, because it could have been such a different outcome if you would have gotten help and, and just had the voices say, hey, I can't I can't show up tonight. I'm, I'm hurting or I can't even move or my knees are, aren't letting me walk. Yep. Yeah, um, I am. It's a work in progress. <laughs> and I think that there are different stages to forgiveness. There obviously are um, because five or six years ago, I wouldn't, I couldn't even speak about them. Um, so I started again, I, I didn't after, right after everything happened, I didn't go to therapy. I didn't go to a, a talk therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a group or anything. I thought F that, that is just not for me. And we're, again, we're such Irish Catholic. It's just like, you know, okay, what, what do we do now kind of thing? And you just bury it until it explodes in alcoholism or abuse or addiction, you know, however it manifests itself and it, it's a will and it really does. But I really had a long talk um, and it wasn't, I, I, I tried, I did try all those things eventually and they all sucked except for my psychiatrist, he's thumbs up. <laughs> We like him, <laughs> right, Doctor Kazi? <laughs> no, um, no, but we do. We love him. Um, but I will say this: that it, it's never ever lost on me, and I never ever don't think of my niece and nephew ever. I think of them constantly. What I what I say, what I put out there, um, even the videos that I post to the gram or my TikTok, uh, I text David quick first and say, hey, I'm looking this up, blah, blah, blah. And everyone notices and a couple of fans always ask, hey, doesn't he have a daughter? Da, da, da. Um, you know, people, some people choose not to be involved. Some people choose not to be on social media. God, I wish, man, 10 years ago, I wish that was a thing. I, I, I just started this year because after Dark Side, David and I both said, okay, we can kind of, we kind of felt outed in a way, in a good way, in the best way like free um you get to, to be, be together yeah yeah and to be ourselves you know i i can be nancy's sister and not be like the sad sack you know debbie downer in the corner i can celebrate my sister's life and and having him and i'm so crazy protective of him you know i've lost one i'm not losing another um i'm so crazy protective of him and I know how much he loves his dad and, and worships his dad, even, even after this, um, because it's so hard to fathom. Again, you can't wrap your head around it. So the mind protecting itself just sort of pushes it to the side and thinks of the good, the good memories. And David says that a lot, you know, you know the good times, the good times. And that's what, as his aunt, I want to make sure that that's what we talk about when we're together and that's what we discuss. And he's never asked me, you know, can you ever forgive my dad or, or whatever? I mean, we had a moment during Dark Side off camera where, you know, after we were both bawling for like two hours, you know, we were just sitting together on the couch holding hands and he was just like, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. And I was just like, you know, I mean, it's his, it's, and I, I don't ever forget also that it's his brother gone, you know, yeah. my only nephew, but it's his brother and I lost my sister. So 
if I understand anything about David's pain and grief, that's what I understand. He he has he doesn't have his brother. So I I I want desperately to forgive him. It's just like I said on Dark Side, you know, the pain of it, of carrying it around, just this darkness all the time around you. It's what made me constantly want drink and not want to be present right. in in the, in the world. You know, made me made me want to take another pill or take five more pills because you just you don't want to be present in the world because it's just the pain is really just too much. And lots of people, someone pointed out to me once that um, I always say when my sister died, <clears throat> and I never say when my sister and nephew died, because again, you know the brain trying to protect itself from so much pain, it, I, I still haven't gotten, you know, we talked about grief. You, you don't get over it, you get through it. So yeah. I'm just barely getting through the loss of my sister. I haven't really started on Daniel yet, if that makes any sense. Absolutely, you know, and it's like, you have to start focusing on the good memories, especially like for my daughters, mm -hmm. you have to start, um, you know, thinking about the good stuff because the bad stuff will just, I mean, it'll just turn you into a whirlwind and go into a spiral, you know, and, and, and the brain just is so strong, you know, what it just kind of takes over and you have to really just, you know, focus on the good memories. And, you know, and, and I, I have to think about, you know, that, you know, Eddie, you know, his anniversary is coming up November 13th. But with him being gone, you know, it made me the person I am today because I don't think I would have been this strong if Eddie was around and mm -hmm. I got to have my own career and I got to meet my incredible husband, which is just like God works in mysterious ways. Like I just, you just kind of, you have to kind of ride the journey and, and I still had a life to live. So I still, I had to enjoy my journey because I know that Eddie's taken care of in heaven and my girls will be taken care of and I have to start thinking about me. And so I think that helped me kind of be more independent because I was just like the housewife. I was just, I was Mrs. Guerrero. I was Eddie's wife. I was Mrs. G. I wasn't ever Vicky, which is kind of insane to, for, I talk about my book, like no one ever knew Vicky. I was just Eddie's wife. And that's something that mm -hmm. was kind of insane. You know, that I got to learn on my own that, Hey, I do have a name and I, I am my own person. So mm -hmm. that was something that was uh, pretty interesting. Um, have you talked to WWE about putting Nancy in the Hall of Fame? No, because I don't contact them um, at all. They um, they never they didn't reach out to us. Um, I've only seen them in court. <laughs> so yeah, what's up? <laughs> I figure I figured that's not the place to bring that up. Like, hey, but you know, <laughs> over from you know, my lawyer. But the funny thing is that, um, interestingly enough, Nancy never took a paycheck from Vince. So Nancy never technically worked for WWE ever. Um, she was a wife and she managed Chris's career, like, for real. It wasn't mm -hmm. a, a work and a gimmick to the ring and everything. Wolverine Sports Incorporated was Chris, but it was Chris and Nancy. It was Chris and Nancy. It was Nancy's merchandising to his woman. It was them together. And Nancy ran that business at home. So she, you know, she was, she was a wife and, uh, you know, awesome mom's Daniel, but she was, and just that year in 2006, I would say she, they were getting, you know, doing a push to get ready to 
you know, Chris is getting sick of it. <laughs> they wanted to have another kid. Um, and I was 100% down for that. So that's when Chris and I would have our gym days and talk about, you know, we, we talked about we wanted to go on a family cruise to Europe because he hadn't been to a lot of, you know, certain European countries because he'd been all over Japan and everywhere. But he's like, yeah, you know, I've never been to, I forget where it was, like Austria or some, like, I was like, I'm on the treadmill, like almost fell off. I'm like, okay, <laughs> weird, but we'll, all right, we'll go. And and to want and to want to cruise there seemed like as a family it was real whack because he's like so he's usually just so separatist. Not separatist like that, but yeah. He just he does this thing and he's nice to everybody, but he's not an engager. You right. Know I, mean? I you know, I walk in the room. You know I'm here. What's going on? What are we doing? Okay, blah, blah, blah. And it would drive Chris bananas. He'd be like, oh. I could see him like almost physically shake. And then two seconds later, he's laughing. Like, she's just batshit. I have to just be like, I'm like, what's up? What's up, brother-in-law? And he's like, he's like, what's going on? And then the smile and the laugh. And so we talked about that. He wanted to, um, they have eight acres. So my sister was already designing a little guest house for me to stay in like full-time nanny and, and chef for Chris because um, it was a huge, my sister and I only gotten in two fights in our lives. And one of the fights we got into was over soup for Chris, me making soup for Chris that he really, really liked and asked me to make like three days in a row. <laughs> and Nancy fucking lost her cool. She asked me to go home. <laughs> I can see her doing that. She fucking asked me to go home. I was like, what? And, and so I, I went upstairs and I started packing. And meanwhile, Chris was at the gym, the kids are playing, and I'm just like, okay, because we had all the kids. This was like peak Auntie Jaja needs assistance time. And she's like, get back to North Carolina, go back to Charlotte. I'm like, are you, are you serious? So I'm packing and I come downstairs and she's having a sippy in the kitchen back when she was having sippies. And she's having a sippy, which we call Corona Lights, by the way. Just having a sippy, <laughs> which my nephew also, Daniel also called them sippies, and you put them away meticulously from the publics out of the case into the refrigerator. You got to put my sippies up right. You got to put the sippies away right and in front facing, <laughs> just like Publix. I told Nancy if he's not going to be the world champion, he's going to be a fucking Publix manager. This kid, that's right. It's like, but I mean, line those shelves anyway, up. So those, oh man. He loved the public. But anyways, so Chris, that was like, those were things we were actually not just discussing, they were in like in motion. At, and then, boom. It's so, so that's why it was also so, just like you said about Eddie, why, you know, four years sober, all this hard work, all of this. And here we all were, you know, went through some high spots, came out. Not only is everything good, but you know, Nance wants to build the family because I can't have kids. So, you know, we're sharing Daniel and Sharon David and, and, and his sister. And, you know, things were, like I said, it was the, yeah. But, so, you know, but what I think is really disappointing is that, you know, this was not any of Nancy's fault. And I think that for her not to be recognized into some kind of Hall of Fame or recognition because she was a badass on TV. I mean, she, she was just an incredible performer and she carried a lot of guys through, you know, through their careers. I mean, she worked with the best of everyone. And it's just a shame that, 
you know, maybe we can start something, you know, where we can get her recognized for her, for, for the, her career. The cutest thing, Mick Foley, God bless him and his adorableness. <laughs> I mean, talk about a teddy bear. Yeah. I mean, he is not mankind or he is all humankind. I always call him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but humankind. But he is just the nice person. He wrote this long letter about um, the case for Nancy Benoit in the Hall of Fame. And he wrote a big article about it. And um, and he sent it to me first for, you know, my stamp of approval and stuff. And it was so nice and wonderful. So he kind of started this little campaign. But, you know, it just it's like in dribs and drabs between fans kind of thing. I know there is a general wrestling Hall of Fame, not, mm-hmm. not Vince's. Um, and now that I would be like, oh, hell yeah, you know, she's got to go there. Um, I would love, you know, as everybody knows, I am AEW, um, AEW family, and so is David. And we, we both feel that something similar to, um, you know, like, like what Martha's done for Mm Owen, um, because that would be huge for my mom and dad, you know, who are both, they're, they're, se- they're 77 and they're not long for this world. And, and um, someone, and I have, ar- we just have already discussed it. Um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, sadly with Brody passing and everything. So there's been lots of memorial stuff this yeah. year and everything. And, and, you know, I'm nothing if in for the long game. I'm 100% for the long con. I will wait and wait and wait. I ran a Twitter joke for five years. Bitch, don't try me with some patience. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. I've been waiting for I've been waiting for this AEW company for a decade. Are you shitting me? I, I used to pray. I used to pray for someone like Tony Cole when I was younger in my late 20s I was like please god someone come and make another wrestling company <laughs> anyway yeah. but, just anyone but, um, else <laughs> now yeah. Sandra, anyone. Oh, oh. Anyone. <laughs> we put it out there in the universe right um said, also uh you have started a foundation which is called the mm. um the nancy and daniel foundation and pro wrestling tees is helping you by selling uh 17 of each shirt towards the foundation yes. how how is that going because you mentioned in your twitter that october was <laughs> nancy's favorite month so i want to bring that out to everyone oh, too that yes. they would be able to support you know the foundations and it, we are in october mm-hmm. and that would be an amazing you know feat to get all the you know the attention going towards this foundation um how did you start that and how is it going so um oddly here we are in that weird shock phase again of um it was almost like i hadn't even left i hadn't even left Peachtree city yet to um come home to florida with nancy and daniel um which i had to do by myself that's another home uh <laughs> talk about a nightmare um my mom and dad had to stay up there and deal with attorneys and i had to come travel home with nancy and daniel's remains and plan the whole service and stuff all by myself which was um, beautiful by the way it was beautiful i remember that, okay yeah. but sidebar can we tell everyone how weird it was during my double eulogy that there was a storm 
and everyone knows we were in a big Catholic church. There's a storm, and right in the middle of my eulogy, or toward the end of my eulogy, my long-winded eulogy, the lights went out. So lights, thunder, thunder crashed, and the entire the lights went out in our entire sanctuary. I looked at my priest, and he looked up, and he looked over at my sister's picture, and he goes, "Wrap it up, wrap it up." <laughs> I'm like, "Thanks, Father Phil." And then I and I looked up, and I told the audience, "I'm like, okay, Nance, I'm I'm almost done," and you guys all started kind of laughing. But it was like this break of like, you know. Enough nice weird things about me. Like, let's get it moving. Let's get over to the <laughs> let's get over to the hotel to the cocktails, can we please? Yeah. <laughs> to the party. But, yeah. But the foundation started in um in my sister's downstairs kitchen. Right? The, the main kitchen was upstairs and she had like a mother-in-law suite downstairs for my mom. Thank you so much, Sandra, for sharing your heart about your stories and love that you have for your family. I just can't thank you enough. And I'm so honored to call you my friend. And now we are special ride or dies. And um, I just hope everyone enjoyed it. And guys, we are on season three. I am so excited. So please continue to keep liking, commenting, downloading, and spread the word about my podcast because this is becoming such a cool experience. I love this job of bringing great guests and, have, and sharing them with all of you. So please continue uh, supporting me. I love it. I am so grateful and blessed. And until next week, guys, take care of each other. Be safe. Be kind. And excuse me!